0: Hi there, and welcome to Dockside Bloemfontein North. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the message.
1: Yeah, I'm going to start with my my testimony. Um, I grew up in Pretoria, in, uh, in the central part of Pretoria, called the Moot, and uh, I grew up in a house where where my both my folks, my dad and my mom, were. We're Christians, and they love Jesus, and it's only later in my life that I actually know what a big blessing that is, growing up in a house where Jesus is always present. And like I said, oh, even now, I can just feel uh, the base they set for us. We just build on from that, and what a massive blessing that is for me, for coming from home like that. Um, so faith was important to us. Uh, family was important to us. Academics was important to us, more to my folks than me, my brother. And rugby was important to us. So um, I had, I prayed for a lot of things when I was smaller, when I was younger, but it was mainly these two things. I prayed for, Lord, please protect my folks. Please protect my my parents. And secondly, please, Lord, I want to play professional rugby. Uh, Because I grew up in Pretoria, back then I said, please, Lord, can I play for the Blue Bulls? But Lord's grace is big and he forgave me and he showed me the way. (laughs) So he brought me back to the light. Uh, But those three main things I prayed through through my whole life. And um, um, I was about six, I played for AFIS on a 14C, and my dream was very, very far away from playing professional rugby. Then my folks moved to Stellenbosch, and I begged my folks to let me stay in Pretoria, which was a comfort zone for me, and they said, no way, you're coming to Stellenbosch with us? And in Stellenbosch, for the first time, I began... Working for my dream, and uh, really things started to change quite quickly in my life. I uh, played under 15 Western Province, under 16 Western Province. So under 17, I'm 17, under 18, training Week, under 18 SA schools, uh, SA under 19, SA under 21, and SA under 21. And by the end of my 21, when I was 21 years old, they signed me for the Stormers for a professional contract. So for the first time then, you know, not for the first time, but my prayer became a reality. I prayed for playing professional rugby and quickly went into the slipstream and everything was going my way. But because I grew up in a Christian home, I knew that somewhere God must feature in this life of mine of, of putting rugby on a pedestal. There, was, there must be some support for God and in this picture. And I thought if I live the right life, if I shine it through my, through my ethics and my morals, I can shine that light for him in the game. Uh, When I was 22 years old, I got my first neck fusion. And even then, people were frowned upon me going back to rugby. There is a few guys playing with a single neck fusion, but even then, they were frowned upon. Uh, After that, I played another three years for the Stormers. And then when I was 25 years old, I played in the last game of the season against the Lions in Alice Park. And I couldn't really recall what happened in the game, but I could start feeling pins and needles in my left arm. And after the match, I told my hand to pick up the bag, and it didn't respond. So I paralyzed my left side. Because of my first neck fusion, I knew paralyzed my right side. When I paralyzed my left side, I knew the writing was on the wall. And uh, quickly went for the the double neck fusion after that. And after my double neck fusion, went to see three specialists in Cape Town. The best three specialists they had, Neuro, surgeons they have in Cape Town and all three of them said there's no way that you can play any contact sport and I said the last one his bedside manner was a little bit frowned upon he was he was blatant he said Skulk, he does not uh, why are you here like you know you can't play rugby why are you here if if the wind blows you better stay indoors and uh, crashed my dreams driving back from Platteklip, where he was based and driving back to Stellenbosch. Ugly cried in the car. It's like all my dreams coming to pieces. I prayed for so long. Everything was going so well. All my dreams coming true. But six weeks after I got this, the the third, uh, let's call it the third strike. I knew that I was going to get married to my love of my life, Chanel, and that I had to change my mind quickly because some way, somehow, I have to put bread on the table, and my focus had to change. Um, Yeah. So I still can remember. Our opening dance, my wife is a dancer, and she's still a dancer till the, to today, the we, but we don't dance in the public so much, uh, is that we had this big elaborate opening dance, and because of my left side still being paralyzed, we couldn't do the big elaborate dance, so we had to do the, the matrix shuffle, hands down low. We tried it up, with, up here, but my arm was too heavy for her to, to keep my arm up there, so we did the shuffle. And... Um, Those two years were very difficult for me. It's, just, it's like a duck. You know, you, you act like everything is okay. And I studied psychology. I did personal training. And I coached two sides, Martis and Western Province juniors. And uh, act like everything was all right on top. But inside here, I was hurting. You know, all my dreams were shattered, except for meeting my love, my life. For the rest of it, it was not going well. And... Uh, it was difficult because all my mates were playing, still playing rugby, so I was confronted with it all the time. When uh, I grew up with Ruan and Bismarck. They're my, my age. So when, when they came up to the ranks with me, then they played SA schools, and then they played spring boxing. And they were just going to the ranks. I had to be a witness to this. Um, so that was hurtful for me, and I, was, I felt like I, I couldn't know what is my purpose in life anymore. Um, I trained this one woman in, in Gordon's Bay and, and I usually had to go early in the morning, four o'clock, driving from Stellenbosch to Gordon's Bay, training and come back. And my car is sort of the place that I pray and, and I praise and worship. I put on the praise and worship song and then I prayed. And this particular morning, I was having a battle of God. And it's like, Lord, I can't, I can't see my purpose anymore. I can't motivate one woman. I used to play in front of 40,000 people. I can't see my purpose anymore. What am I doing here? What is my bigger calling? And uh, a few weeks after that, my brother came back from France. He was playing professional rugby in, in, in France uh, about seven years, and he tore all his ligaments in his knee, and he came back for, for, for rehab. And it just so happened to be that my mate that, that worked for Bethel Church in America was there at the same time in Stenbosch. Uh And I said, great timing, you know. Great timing, he's here. I want Philip to pray for my brother's knee. So I phoned Philip. Philip, please come come pray for my brother's knee. I know you guys at Bethel, you specialize in miracles. I know this is what your church stands for. They are worldly renowned for praying for miracles and awesome miracles happening at this church. So Philip says, I'm there. Can't wait to see you guys. Philip knew both me and my brother. So we met up in Stellenbosch. If you don't know Stellenbosch, in Java. It's a little coffee shop in the middle of the town. He says, there's too many people up here. Let's walk up here. To, to the Muderkark, it's both me and Lisa's family churches, we grew up in Stellenbosch and there's a big oak tree uh, as you enter the Muderkark, it's a big oak tree on your right hand side and we sat on the tree and Philip prayed a very simple but direct prayer, said Lord Jesus you know Choppy's heart, please heal his knee, and we pray rugby again, we pray this in Jesus name, amen, very simple to the point. And then he asked me, Scott, but let's pray for your neck. And I was, Philip, I got my studies now. I'm studying psychology. I've got my coaching with, with Western Province. I've, I've got my personal training. It's like, no. And just like a good mate is, it's like he just could see pass through me. It's like, no, what, what does your heart say? Of course, God knows your heart. Just cut through all that. I want to say a word, I can't say that word. Right. <laughs> just cut through that stuff. And I uh, said, no, if I can play rugby tomorrow, I will. Uh, and let's, let's pray for your heart, because God knows your heart. And he prayed, and he said, simple prayer again. He said, Jesus, please, please heal Skog's neck. So he he prayed rugby again. He pray this in Jesus' name. And after that, he asked me two questions. He says, God, do you believe that God is almighty? Do you believe he can do miracles? And I said, yes, I believe my God is almighty, and yes, I believe he can do miracles. And then he flipped it to me. He said, do you believe he can do miracles in your life? And then there was a pause. And then I said yes. After that, I had to go tell my wife this story. So that wasn't easy either. After two years, three, of three specialists told me I was never going to play rugby. I had to go back, back home to Chanel and say, listen here, i got a prayer and I believe. And... Uh, I would just say, if you want to choose a wife one day, you choose one like my me, because her faith in me, it's, it, 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 it borderlines to obscurities. Because she said, let's go. It's like, didn't you want to talk? Like, let's think about it a bit. We we'll just pray about it. But when I said to said I believe, he says, when you believe, I'm, I'm with you. Go for it. So, yeah, blessed with my wife. And uh, I had to go tell my folks. But every time I tell somebody that I believe that I got healed, I can feel the spirit start Working in me, like, it's it's like a, like a fountain. It like, just want to burst out, and how it grew in me. But it started with a yes, I believe. But that that was the master seed, and then the rest, the Holy Spirit started doing inside of me. So we had to get a specialist to clear me medically for before I can start playing rugby again. So through the Starnbos circles, Marty circles, they told me, listen, if you want to get cleared medically, there's only one doctor the best neurosurgeon. He sits in Pretoria. His name is Don de Clark. If you want to be clear, it's going to be this guy. But unfortunately, Don was so busy that I could only see him in a five weeks time. But in that five weeks, the Spirit worked in me like you could not believe. I felt God's hand on me. I could feel the Spirit talking to me all the time, waking up in the morning, saying this is going to be an awesome miracle. This has always been a setup for a miracle. And when I go to sleep at night, he says, I can't wait to see your face. This is always meant to be a miracle. So this is what I had for five weeks. And in that five weeks, I start training like a prop again because I was weighing like something like 90 kilograms. So I start training like a prop again. I start eating like a prop again, which is very difficult for me, eating that much food. <laughs> but I start, I start bulking up again, preparing for, for the specialist to clear me. I remember flying up that morning, flying up to Pretoria, to Joburg, and I booked, of course, I booked the cheapest car you can get at, at budget, and they called it a Class R, a Class A car, and he said, sorry, sir, we're out of Class A cars, we're out of Class B cars, we have to upgrade you to Class C car on our account. So I drove to Pretoria with a brand-new Merc, 500, I don't know all the letters he had, but the year I was cruising to Pretoria with this brand new bag. I was like, Holy Spirit, I feel you now. <laughs> this is our day is supposed to start. I can feel you. But it was a long day. It was a really long day. And I um, did all the tests. I did MRIs and CAT scans and MRIs. And I went through the range of that. And Don told me, listen, no. Five o'clock, I'll be done with all my other patients, and five o'clock, I've got time to speak to you guys, speak to you, and uh, I'll spend time with you. So, long day, I said I was sitting in the parking lot of that of that clinic and praying and worshiping and praying, and I think people watched from the outside that I think I was fighting demons, the things that happened in that car, and I came out five o'clock, sitting in his this room and he had this big light boxes and he put on my MRIs and all my scans he put onto the light boxes and took his time, it felt like eternity to me and after a while of looking at my scans he just shook his head and he says, you'll be the first player to play with double note fusion ever Ugly cried. Ugly cried so much on that train. And I climbed into my car, phoned my wife firstly, told her the good news, then told my brother the good news. I just want to say my brother's knee also got healed, and he also played for Western Province afterwards. Phoned my folks, told them the good news. I was crying so much that I got lost in Pretoria. <laughs> I had to get my way back to, to Joburg somehow. You know, Thank Lord for GPS systems as well. And um, in that little space of time that I had to fly back to, to Cape Town, my, my dad phoned Rossi. Rossi was still at the Stormers back then. He said, "Skulk, uh, you, you can't believe it. Skolk just got medically cleared. It's a miracle. Rossi said, it's great news. Come join us again. So I thought I had to go work my ranks way through Marty's systems again, work myself up. But in a split second, Lord, take me from the pit to the palace like that. And I was back with the Stormers. We won the vodacom Cup for the first time. Then moved to the, to, to the Kings, we played the first Super Rugby there, and after that moved to Toulouse, played two years for Toulouse, came back for the Kings, and now it's the third year with the Cheetahs. I'm telling you this because after I got healed, it's not 12th year of playing professional rugby after my healing, and I'm the oldest Cheetah to ever play professional rugby, and I'm only telling you this because it's only the work of God. Every game is a miracle, every game is a blessing, and, uh, yeah, he's still writing that story. I'm, I'm, I'm living a miracle each day. I, I run out to that beach. Miracles. So, I will ask me to, I usually just do my testimony, but he said, listen, here, Scott, you're going to preach this Sunday. So, this is your base, but then you have to run with that. So, we, we're going through a, a, a series called Breakthrough, and, we, we, and this uh, one, of course, is healing. And... I want to start off with this. I don't want to spend a lot of time with it, but I, I think we need to know why, why God doesn't do miracles. This, I think it causes a lot of tension in Christians. I think there's two things, it's bitterness and, 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 and sadness, especially when it comes to when you don't see a miracle happening. So I think let's start with why God does do miracles. Uh, and of course, we use Jesus as the best example we have. So there's three reasons Jesus didn't do miracles. And the first reason for, for it was that Jesus didn't like to be tested. So when the devil took him into the desert, he, saw, he, he told Jesus, Jesus, if you jump down the mountain, we're gonna, the angels will catch you. And Jesus said, and of course, he hit him with the Bible. And he said, you won't test the Lord our God. Same with the, the Pharisees. The Pharisees tested him and said, hey, Jesus, give us a miracle. And if you look at their hearts, their hearts came from a place of arrogance and of pride. Hey, Jesus, do a miracle. Do as a party trick. And, of course, Jesus didn't do miracles in that scenario. I think the second one, I think is probably one of, probably the biggest one, is that Jesus don't do miracles if it impacts the bigger plan of your life. I truly believe that each and every one of us, there's a plan in our life. We're not just here by by the (sighs) we've got a certain plan on our lives and Jesus, he knitted you together in your mother's womb for a certain cause and reason. There's a plan on your life. And if this miracle that you're praying for impacts that, then you won't see the miracle happening. I think a basic example from that is when Jesus were in the garden of Gethsemane and he was praying to Lord, oh God, and he was praying, he said, please, Abba Father, please, if, if there's a way, if this, part, if this cup can pass us by, if there's another way, but your will be done, not mine. And of course, God said, my boy, you are the only way. There is no other way. You are the only way. And just to reinforcing it, Jesus could, at, at any moment, he could have pressed the, the escape button. Of course, he had the power. He told, he told Peter, of course, Peter, when the soldiers came, he jumped up first, took the sword and chopped off the, sword, the soldier's ear. And I must say, I'm in rugby, so I've got lots of mates like that to jump out at the second and he said no you don't understand Peter this is, this, is, this is my plan this is my cause I have to do this I could press the button anytime I could call up 12 legions of angels in a blink of an eye I can ask my father and we'll be there I'm doing this because I have to do this so it didn't mess with the bigger plan in our lives can't do miracles if it goes against the bigger plan of our lives the third one and the one I want to focus today is faith Firstly, Jesus didn't do miracles where there was a lack of faith. In his hometown of Nazareth, he didn't do a lot of miracles. Why? Because he was amazed by the lack of faith in his hometown. But the flip side is also true. He was amazed. There's only two times in the, it's only twice a day, recall that Jesus ever said he was amazed. And it was the lack of faith. But all the flip side was with the Roman captain, the centurion captain of a hundred when he showed his faith, he said, I'm amazed by this man's faith. And how did the centurion show it? his faith? He said, Master, I know that you can just only use your words and it will flow from it. You can see the authority on Jesus. He said, Lord, I know you've got the authority over miracles. I work with authority as well. I've got a hundred soldiers underneath me. When I ask them to do something, they do something. And the when somebody gives me orders, but what is on top of me, I have to do all this. He recognized the authority of Jesus. So what did he say? Jesus, I believe in you. And then all you have to do is you only have to speak it. That was the amazing faith that Jesus referred to. So point one is that we have to believe in God. Jesus did a lot of miracles. And I noted five, but there was probably six where Jesus says, your faith has healed you. So if you have to take the center of miracles and things that it is in our power, it is our faith. Our faith moves our God. Our faith moves our Father. So like I said, Jesus said it f- six times, and we have to believe in God to, to see miracles. So let's read out the Bible and hear what the Bible says. So, so in Hebrews 11 verse 6, And without faith it is impossible to please God because Anyone who comes to, his, comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Step one, believe in God. When I have to go back with me and Philip underneath that tree, I promise you, when I testified many times before, I, I actually missed this. Because I actually only focused on the prayer. But when Philip asked me the two questions after my prayer, he says, Scott, do you believe God is almighty and that he can do miracles? And I said, yes. So that's step one. You have to put God on high. Just like the centurion did. He, put, he said, God, the authority is on you. Jesus, I see the authority on you. Step one, God, put God on high. And then secondly, do you believe that God can do miracles in your life? Philip asked me, Scott, do you believe that God can do miracles in your life? He made it personal. Our God is a personal God. Our God made us in our mother's wombs. He knows the hair on our heads. He is a face-to-face God. He wants to do miracles in your life. And I read out of John 14, verse 12, verse 14, till 14. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father will be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. I think the biggest change in me, looking back at my story, was that I truly believe that God is Almighty, and I truly believe that He can do miracles. But when 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 Philip flipped the script on me and said, "But do you believe He can do it in your life?" I think, in the, with with Christians, and I'm just going for own experience. I think it's it's something we do always. We we believe that God is Almighty and He can do miracles. But do you believe He can do it for you? It's there. It's in the Bible. It's in Bethel Church in America. It's them doing outreach in Mexico and in Texas. But do you believe we can do miracles in your life? If I look at Sarah and Abraham, God gave them a promise that they will have a son. I think Sarah was about 80, And she looked at her own body and her own womb and laughed because she focused on her own body. She focused on her own broken womb, but she just and, but she did change her focus. She went from her body to focusing on the almighty God and his promises. I changed my focus in that few seconds from the three specialists told me that I will never play rugby again, that nobody with a double neck fusion will ever play rugby, to I believe my God is almighty and he can do miracles. So what happened was just change your focus from how to who. If God is almighty and he can do miracles, then I have to believe that he can do miracles in my life. I have to. And thirdly is, confirm your faith through words. So in Mark 11, verse 22 24, have faith in God. Step one, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone to says to the mountain, go, Throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their hearts, but believe that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Our words, all words carry power. The only two words I told Philip that day was, I believe is almighty and I believe we can do miracles smaller. That's my mustard seed, unperfect faith, but that was my seed. That was the start before the Holy Spirit grabbed hold of that and ran with it. All words have power. Stepping out of that boat, just like Peter stepped out of that boat, and he looked at Jesus, but in the moment he started changing his focus again from the how to the who, he lost focus. So I just want to say again, to never lose focus on, or not, not focus on the who, but focus on the how. And then use your words. When the Romans showed extraordinary faith, the only one that God ever said it was amazed by his faith. What, how did he show his faith? He showed it with his words. He said, Lord, I know the authority is on you. Jesus, I know the authority is on you. And again, with his words, all you have to do is speak it. So by our words, we prove our faith. Um I always say, for my for one of my favorite stories, and my son like, Dad, you can't always say it's one of your favorite stories. Of course, every story is like one of your favorite stories. <laughs> but one of my favorite stories was, was this three teenagers standing in front of Nebuchadnezzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, they stood in front of Nebuchadnezzar, and they mm-hmm. said, they know they were going to be thrown into the fire, into the furnace. They know they were going. And they told Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, I know my God can and I know my God will save us from that fire. But even if He doesn't, I won't bow knee to that statue. How do you use your words? Do you speak your faith? Cancer. I see you. I see you. I raise you, oh, Almighty God. I know my God can, and I know He will. But even if He doesn't, I won't bow knee. Alzheimer's, Oshimoto's, your pains, your impossibles. You put it in there. So I know my God can, and He will. But even if He doesn't, I won't bow to I only bow my knee to the Almighty God. We have to speak to our mountains. Um, and today we're going to declare it of our own words. I asked Oh, well, if we can do this. I grew up in Engekar, but uh, in the charismatic church, we can, we can reply as well. So I'm going to ask you this two questions. It's the same two questions that Philip asked me underneath that oak tree. The two questions is, do you believe in Almighty God? I want you guys to reply, I do. Make it personal. And the second question I'm going to ask you is, do you believe that God can do miracles in your life? And I want you guys to reply, I do. You guys ready? Do you believe in Almighty God? I do. Do you believe that God can do miracles in your life? Let's pray. Lord, we pray today that you take away all the boundaries in our heads and our hearts, Lord, that we can ask for miracles, Lord, that we can ask for impossibles, because you are the God of impossible. That's part of your love language, Lord, is to do miracles. We pray for miracles today, Lord, in this church, and testimonies coming to flow from this church, Lord, because we serve Almighty God that knows us personally and loves us. I pray for miracles. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Skulk. Let's give Skulk a hand. Can I just ask that we all stand together, and uh, as way of response, uh, we, we need to make this personal. I, I hope that your faith has been stretched. And here's the thing about faith. Um, By definition, faith is not taking something and believing something because you see evidence. And it's also not taking something and, and stepping into something because you feel like it. It's actually when you don't have any feelings, when you don't have any evidence, to then believe and stand on something. That is the definition of faith. When you don't see, you believe. That's literally faith. If you're waiting for, only when I feel like it, if I'm really convinced by it, if I see the evidence, then that's not faith. And uh, our faith is not based on our emotions or feelings and the things happening around us. Our faith is based on the person of Jesus. It's a person that we've got. We, We trust you. Faith, another word for faith is trust. It's like, I still trust you. Even if I don't see evidence, I trust you. It's the character of God. That's what the definition of faith is. Now, to make this practical, and our prayer for this term is that we would grow in our faith. I've got a desire that I would grow in my faith. And that's why I asked Skull to preach. Because I feel this is an area where, where I really need to grow a lot. And sometimes for me it's uncomfortable to pray f- for people for healing. Because I'm afraid, you know, what's going to happen if they don't get healed? <laughs> and I'm sure you also feel that way. Sometimes we're afraid to ask for something for ourselves. We're afraid of disappointment. And we think like, you know, what will people then think about God? And just like Scott said, God's not trying to prove himself. He knows who he is. <laughs> so we can ask. And uh, just as a way to make this practical, there's two ways that we can respond this morning. The second way is in worship and even after the service. Um, as you know, we've got a red post box in the front with some pieces of paper and pen I want you to come just write down on one of those pieces of paper what is the breakthrough that you are trusting God for and put it into the post box. That's just a physical action saying, it's not only something in my heart anymore. I'm putting pen to paper saying, God, this is what I'm trusting you for. Even if you can share it with someone. It takes a bit of faith to do that, but then to throw it in there, and we do invite you on a Thursday morning from 6 to 10, our coffee shop is open, it's our prayer room, to then come and pray for that thing, to keep on praying for it. Don't pray for it once, but to keep in the process. Maybe it doesn't happen, you know, in one week, maybe it takes years, but to keep on trusting God, and so I want to invite you to do that on a Thursday, to come and pray for that thing that you're trusting God for, Um, and so that's the one way of responding, then the other one is right here in the moment. We want to pray for people that are trusting God for some sort of healing or trusting God for a miracle. You see, the definition of a breakthrough is after you've done everything you can and everything you should have done. So you've taken responsibility. But then it's still not enough. Then you need God to come through for you in a miraculous way. That's what a that's what a miracle is. That's what a breakthrough is. And and, uh, we don't want to be shy to ask God for breakthrough. And to know that even if He doesn't, it's not going to shake our faith. We're not going to bow our knee to those things. It's exactly what Skulk said. We're going to pray and say, God, I know that you can. Not only that you're an almighty God that can, but I know that you actually want to. Because you know me and you care for me. But even if you don't, I know it's because you love me. It's because of a greater plan, and I trust you. So even if he doesn't, I'm not going to bow my knee to that statue. I'm not going to sacrifice my faith in God. And so that's the prayer this morning. And so I want to I just ask you, if there's healing that you trust in God, for. So will not you raise your hand? Because as a church, we're going to pray for one another this morning. So if there's, if there's something you need a breakthrough for, I want you to put your hand up nice and high. We're going to ask the other church members to surround you. So we've got a hand over there. So maybe some people can stand around that lady. And then uh, a couple over here, some people can stand around them. And then there's another lady in front. Um, so, so, I'm sorry, as a church, we're all going to pray. So all of us. <laughs> We can turn to someone with their hands uh, raised and we can just start moving to them. Uh, that'll be great. Because we want to pray for one another. I'm going to also pray, but there's no special prayer from a pastor or nothing like that because it's Jesus doing the work. So, if, you know, if Skulk prays for you, it's not more special than someone else, right? Uh, so we want to surround one another wherever there's hands. Let's just stand next to each other. And um, over here, there's another hand here in the front. If we can just surround one another. Great. There's another hand there, so maybe some people can just stand closer to that lady over there. I say, Donkey Jock. Wonderful. We want to pray together as a church. I'm going to ask the band just to give us a minute and a half, just playing in the background. Would you quickly just tell the people that are standing with you what they can pray for? And then you can start praying. I'll, I'll also pray for us. But I want to give opportunity that we as a church pray for one another. Because it's not about your prayer. It's because we're asking Jesus. He's the healer. We don't have people with special healing power. We've got a God that heals. And we're just asking our Father in heaven. So please just take two minutes. Quickly tell the people around you, pray for me for this. And then you guys can start praying. And then I'll I'll join in after about two minutes. Let's go for it. We are so glad that you were able to listen in. If you would like to know more about us, you can visit our website or follow us on social media at Dockstad A. North. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel.